Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another Reach Markets Meet the CEO session. My name is Warwick Lace. I'm the Head of Investor Relations at Reach Markets, and I'll be facilitating the session for you today. The purpose of today's session, as always, is to give you direct access to companies that you might be considering investing in. So we invite the CEOs on here to tell their stories and to give you the opportunity to ask them questions. Advice or information in today's presentation is general in nature only and does not consider your personal circumstances. You need to consider for yourself whether it is appropriate for you. I'm happy to welcome Murray Hill from Marinica Energy Limited. Uh, Marinica is a uranium explorer with assets in Namibia and Australia. Uh, Murray, great to have you here. Looking forward to the presentation today, uh, particularly about hearing about the operations in Namibia, um, a beautiful country that I've been lucky enough to spend a little bit of time in. Um, hopefully, with the likes of uh, Marinica investing into the country and providing employment and uh, uh, sort of boosting the economy, it's a, it's a good news story uh, for that country. Um, I think Danny's passed over the control of the presentation to you now. So over to you, Murray. Yeah, thanks, Warwick. Uh, Namibia is a great place. My family thoroughly enjoyed their holiday a few years back. Um, wildlife is spectacular and the people are very friendly. So actually, and on, on Namibia, the last uranium boom uh, back 12, 13 years ago, investors in the companies with assets in Namibia uh, made a lot of money. So uh, we think we're in the right jurisdiction. Now, given to today's not just about mining, uh, given nine spokes and, uh, and the following speaker, we're not really probably put things into context. So nuclear uh, is a power source. The feed for nuclear is uranium, uh, and obviously we're looking at uranium. So nuclear power, the world's beginning to understand and uh, accept the benefits of reduced pollution and reduced, reduced carbon emissions. And there's more and more in the media about uh, the benefits of nuclear. Nuclear is the lowest carbon emission power source that we have available to us today. It provides baseload power 24-7, not just when the sun shines or the wind blows. And uh, it's really back in favour. I'm hearing a lot of countries talking about it. Um, I reluctantly come into the new age of using Twitter and you see people, you know, Indonesia and all other countries around the world looking, the uh, Middle East looking at nuclear reactors. And there's hundreds of millions of new energy consumers urbanising and modernising in third world countries. They're going to need power. So there's about 50, there's about 442 nuclear reactors um, operating in the world today. 54 under construction. And according to the World Nuclear Association, there's expected to be another 321 operating by 2040. So all these worlds, the world's nuclear reactors need a supply of uranium, but it's not going to happen at the current price. What we're seeing is um, a, a suppressed uh, supply or production, um, and production has not met demand for the last few years and won't do in the future unless the uranium producers are incentivized to, to produce or exploration companies are incentivized to develop projects. So we need, the world needs to get uranium production occurring, right? And the only way to do so is for the uranium price to move. If the uranium price doesn't move north, uh, then no companies will be incentivized to bring production online and satisfy the needs of nuclear reactors. So there's really only one way for the uranium price to move. And with so many, um, companies are underwater at the moment. Uh, they're really looking for a uranium price kick. Now, if you're, um, if, if we're going to, um, you know, where's that uranium going to come from? Is it going to come from uh, existing producers or explorers like us? It's going to come from both. So 
we've got a good story to tell you about uh, our, our company. Uh, we've um, we've developed a strategy about two years ago uh, in which we decided to acquire projects that fit a, a defined criteria and explore on, our, on, a, on a large tenement position we built up in Namibia and all underpinned by upgrade um, where we can add significant value. So we only acquire assets that we can add value to with our upgrade process and only explore on assets that we'll add value to our upgrade process. And we're delivering on that strategy. Um, we've picked up 48.5 million pounds of high grade assets in Australia and we've had successful exploration results on our large tenement position in Namibia. Um, and, and as I say, all underpinned by upgrade. So, uh, and, and the great time to be in the industry now is, I mean, we've, we've developed this strategy at uh, a counter-cyclical really, and uh, now there's sort of uh, global uh, tailwinds pushing the uranium price uh, due to nuclear demand. So that's pretty exciting for us and uh, our investors. So Namibia is a, our primary focus at the moment, and we'll talk a bit about today. Um, we've targeted Namibia because the, the type of mineralisation that we're looking for is is um, old paleo channels, so old river systems. So in Namibia, there's a lot of old river systems where by the uranium's leached from the highlands, flowed through over millions of years and re-precipitated in these old rivers. Now, these old river systems are less than 30 metres deep. They're not uh, evident from surface. Uh, the radioactive footprint isn't always there. It only takes half a metre of sand cover to hide a radioactive footprint. Uh, so we're looking, we're looking for those assets. Now they're north of what we call Alaskite Alley and south of Alaskite Alley in Namibia. Alaskite Alley is a primary ore source. Our upgrade process doesn't apply to those ores. Now Namibia's got a strong history of uranium. Uh, Rossing uranium mine have been operating for 44 years continuously. Uh, so it's got a, a very supportive government. Uh, it's a very understanding of uranium uh, exploration and production. Uh, so it's a very good fit for us. Our, um, our Maranika uranium project in the north of uh, the Orongo region of Namibia on this map uh, has a 61 million pound resource on it. We've, we've uh, through application of upgrade, uh, been able to test at laboratory scale uh, to get a concentrate of 5,000 ppm. So really successful um, uh, upgrade test work on that, which led us to, um, to move forward and explore on other EPLs. So, I'm going to focus now on the Nama barrier, which is down the south um, of, of the Orongo region and on that map. Uh, and in this area, we've got a contiguous land package uh, built up over a period of time. Uh, the solid uh, yellow are, um, are assets or, or tenements that we have granted from the government and um, the crosshatch ones are still waiting for granting. So we've targeted this area because there's 230 million plus pounds of resources in paleo channels the Langer Heinrich deposit, Tumas deposit, all and the Osinanus deposit, all found by a company called General Mining, which morphed into GenCorp. Um, so General Mining explored in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, they found Langer Heinrich, and uh, their last report that we read in 1981 said that we're going to go uh, come back to all these areas, uh, which we've now picked up to explore once we've understood Langer Heinrich better. Unfortunately, uh, they left the country, uh, or fortunately for us, they left the country, and have left some maps behind with targets on them. So that's where we're focusing our efforts on. And uh, it's essentially upstream in these old river systems of these known deposits. So the first uh, one is the copies deposit uh, that we've we explored. That's immediately upstream of the Tumas deposit. Uh, we did some um, a small amount of drilling 
and uh, and then we started to use ground-based geophysics called HLEM, horizontal loop electromagnetics, to identify the channels. In this area, the deepest part of the channel is about 14, 15 metres deep, so a very shallow channel. Uh, and then we did sort of staged um, drilling HLEM, and it turns out that the channel is significantly larger than we thought it was going to be. Uh, it copies too. We thought it might have been a couple of hundred metres wide, and it's now 1.6 kilometres wide. So we haven't completed the drilling on that, um, uh, but we've identified a very large area of 6.4 square kilometres of, uh, of paleo channel and uh, pretty much everywhere we've drilled in that channel has been mineralised. So that's very exciting for us and um, is, uh, is, is sort of a, a solid area that we can base our exploration off. We then um, picked up this Herbeb, uh, got environmental clearance to go down there. It's, it's a very, very large EPL. It's 44 kilometres from east to west extent and 22 kilometres north to south. So it's a, it's a large EPO over a large area. Uh, we did some HLEM on this, identified uh, the channels, and then we went and did some drilling. And we've you know, identified channels over you know, roughly 36 kilometres, which is the, the width of the English Channel. So trying to put things in perspective uh, in the Namib Desert, you know, that's, a, that's a very, very large area and a long distance for a channel to occur over. And uh, we've done, you know, we've identified mineralisation over 30 kilometres of that channel length. And, um, you know, the spacing of our drill lines at this point in time average about five and a half kilometres. And if you recall from the previous slide, the, the widest point of the, of the copies channel was uh, 5.1 kilometres. So there's plenty of opportunity to host um, large mineral deposits within this uh, paleo channel system. And we haven't yet explore the EPL to understand the full extent of the paleo channels. So what we'll be doing over the next 12 to 18 months is focusing on Hitterbeb. It's 15 times larger than copies, uh, and our focus will be understanding where the paleo channels are, and then work out from there, our geological team will determine where we think uh, the greatest potential for mineralisation may occur within these meandering channels. So that's, that's where we're targeting uh, uh, most of our exploration over the next 12 to 18 months. And these are only two of the six EPLs or six tenements we've got granted in, in this area of Namibia. So we're very excited about the potential of Hirabib itself, uh, very excited about what other uh, uh, tenements we've got and what's on those, because the General Mining have identified some pretty good targets on the other EPLs. So that's, that's uh, very exciting for us and is a lot of blue sky uh, for our company. Uh, so really low cost exploration as well. Uh, we spend $130,000 to find these paleo channels and drill them uh, on Hirabeb. So, you know, it's about a $1,000 a hole. Uh, so it's a very, very um, low cost exploration program. We can cover uh, large areas. So uh, that's all very good for us. Now, moving on to Australia, um, we did pick up some assets in Australia that uh, were in a package. Uh, we looked at, the, they were sold in a fire sale from Paladin when they were in a bit of trouble about four or five years ago. Uh, we picked them up last December from a company that bought them and have been holding them, doing nothing with them. So they're very much underdeveloped. Paladin didn't do a lot with them uh, from what we understand and uh, there's a lot of potential for us to add value through our IP. Now that value add could be, say for instance, at Angela, there's 31 million pound at 1300 ppm, so a fantastic deposit, uh, 25k south of Alice Springs. It's got somewhere in the order of 120 kilos per tonne acid consumption now. Uh, we, with our smarts from we picked up from uh, developing uh, upgrade in Namibia, uh, we believe that uh, we can reduce that asset consumption substantially and reduce the cost 
uh, the operating costs for Angular, and then lower the development costs. So that, that's one area we think we can add value. Um, Minerva deposit, for instance, uh, we found all the old drill hole data from drilling done in the late 70s, and um, a lot of high-grade mineralisation, uranium grades in excess of 10,000 ppm in about 29 holes. Uh, so that's a very high number. And uh, we also found two drill holes were assayed for gold. One of them didn't have uranium mineralisation, so we're not certain why they assayed that for gold. But the second hole had a hit of 19.2 grams per tonne gold and another one of 2.3 grams per tonne gold. So we probably need to go forth now and understand what what other gold mineralisation might be in this deposit. So, um, you know, there's plenty of potential for us to, to add value there. Um, and the other thing about these assets, we picked them up for four US cents per pound of uranium in the ground. But we know this, and there's no resource at Minerva, but there's no resource at Ubaguma. Um, Paladin put an historical resource on it in their 2015 annual report, uh, but we can't, we're unable to report that. Uh, so, you know, we know there's more pounds there. So the cost of purchasing these is actually probably less than four cents a pound. When I consulted to extract resources in, um, on the HUSAB project in Namibia, they sold that for $4.50 US a pound. I'm not suggesting we're another extract and we're not going to sell these for $4.50 a pound. But what I'm saying is that with a, with a, pro, a price rise, a uranium price rise, and we value add, these things aren't going to be worth $0.04 cents a pound. So they're going to be worth substantially more than that in our view. So we're excited about what we can add what value we can add to these and, and about the assets themselves. So we've talked a little bit about upgrade. What is upgrade? For us, it's a differentiator. We developed, uh, in conjunction with SORO, we developed this breakthrough beneficiation process, uh, which focuses focus on rejection of gang minerals or minerals that don't have the valuable commodity in them. Now, we managed to reject greater than 95% of the mass of, of mentioned before that we took the Maranica all grade from 93 ppm to 5,000 ppm, a substantial increase in grade, a 50 times upgrade in grade. So that, that's, uh, that's enormous. And the benefits of this is that we can reduce the capex and opex by about 50% compared to conventional processing on these style of ores. So it provides this optionality. What are we, we can either produce a concentrate from upgrade on site through a beneficiation circuit, and truck that off-site. And in Namibia, there's opportunities to truck it off-site because you've got Rossing being active there for 44 years. They've got excess capacity in their refinery. Um, or we could go and build a leach refinery ourselves. But the environmental benefits of us only producing a concentrate are means we don't need to put an acid leach circuit in. We don't need to put a yellow coat refinery in. We don't need a tailing stand. Uh, or we don't need to then go and put um, new transport corridors for reagents in. So the environmental benefits are huge for us. So, so we don't mention the environmental benefits a lot on upgrade, but it is substantial. And uh, you know, as I say, it gives us optionality and it allows us to develop projects that others can't. And we're the only one with upgrade. Nobody else has got it. So we're excited about what upgrade offers for us. Uh, and we truly believe that um, it provides us a strategic advantage with our assets in Namibia, our assets in Australia. Uh, you throw upgrade on top of those. You know, they're great assets in, the, in their own right, uh, but when we put uh, upgrade on it, we take the value uh, to the next level. So we, we're very uh, excited about what um, upgrade can do for our assets. And uh, from a corporate snapshot point of view, we've got an experienced board of management. We've got technical expertise. I'm the champion of the upgrade process. 
we have got some cash in the bank. Uh, we're aligned with shareholders. We've got skin in the game. There's 5.8% um, of stock held by directors and management. Uh, so yeah, we, we're in a pretty good position at the moment. So just on a, on a highlight perspective, um, we've got our large scale tenements in Namibia. We're successfully exploring on those. Uh, we've got an underdeveloped high grade uranium assets in Australia that we believe we can add value through our IP uh, application. The upgrade process uh, really adds significant value to all these assets, so it clearly differentiates, differentiates from our peers. We've got a low market cap, uh, we're about 12 million uh, at the moment, so there's plenty of potential for us to grow. We believe we're the least talked about uranium stock on the ASX with the greatest potential. Uh, and uh, we've got plenty of, plenty of uh, room to grow and we'll, we'll um, for some reason, uh, your slides have, here we go, There's something wrong with these slides. But anyway, uh, we, um, we think we've got a huge potential both uh, from uh, value add through what we're doing as a company, but also the uranium price. The uranium price has to go north uh, and, you know, we're going to see some substantial rises in in our stock price so with, uh, with, a, with a rise in the uranium price. I'd like to finish on this slide, um, Warwick, because this is the desert um, in Namibia. This is the Namib area. This is the Copies EPL after the wet season. So you know, we get, hear a few brokers say to us, well, how do you get on the ground in the wet season? You know, well, this is the wet season. A couple of lilies popped up, um, but basically there's uh, not much out there. It is desert, so we're very cognizant of the fact that we need to look after the environment, so uh, it is exactly what we do. So uh, thanks for listening to me. Um, sorry about the glitches in the presentation. I'm not sure what's happened at your end, but um, we look like we've got page 40 on that one, but we're not at page 40. So um, yeah, we think, we've got a, we think we've got a pretty good story. Thanks, Warwick. Very, very good. Thanks, uh, thanks Murray. There's, uh, there does seem to be uh, a, a bit of a lag through to Perth this, uh, this afternoon. Uh, first question just on, uh, comes from Bruce, just on that um, uranium price uh, that you spoke to going north. Um, what's a, uh, you know, what's a, an attractive level for you and where do you think um, sort of it, it might settle over the next few years? Well, there's a few companies that have projects near development that are talking that they need around about the $75 uh, uranium price to incentivise production. Uh, and those projects are in Namibia and some outside of Namibia in Australia. Um, we see that you know if a price doesn't get there, there's going to be not enough incentive to get sufficient pounds into the market to satisfy the nuclear power plants. So uh, we it has to see, and the fact that uranium represents three to five percent of the actual cost of power generation in the nuclear power plant, it really yeah. doesn't hurt the utilities too much if they have to pay 75, 80 bucks a pound. But the longer it takes for this uranium price to move north the harder it's going to run. And we saw that in 2007. It went berserk over a period of, what, 6 to 12 months, went up to $130 a pound um, and before it settled back down again. So I think, you know, as I say, the longer it takes, the harder it's going to run. Quick one uh, on the technology, Murray, um, from Jerry. Uh, could you just describe the sort of the IP protection that you have over, over Upgrade? So we've got uh, three patents in place. Um, one patent covers the entire process. Uh, and then we've got a second pattern that covers part of it and a third pattern covers a smaller component. So it really means that if someone tries to do um, only part of what we do, uh, then we're, we're protected there as well. But uh, certainly in conjunction with the people at Sorrow we've, uh, and our patent attorneys in Sydney, 
uh, we've come up with a pretty good strategy to protect our IP. Very good. A question from Mark. Um, what cutoff grade would you need at Harabeb uh, given the huge size of the tenement? Well, so we, we've done a, a scoping study on the Maranica deposit at 100 ppm, and unfortunately, because it's an inferred resource, ASIC and ASX won't allow us to put the results out there. But essentially, we've learnt from that if we've got um, 300 ppm grade, then we would have a cost of less than 20 bucks a pound. Um, so, you know, at $200, uh, sorry, 200 ppm, we're probably sitting around the 30. So we know that, you know, it depends on where the uranium price as to what that cutoff grade might be. But, you know, if you had a cutoff grade of 50 ppm, you, you're probably going to end up with 250 ppm around, or 300 ppm around copies, uh, and that's going to be enough to get into production once uranium price starts moving. Okay, maybe just a, a final uh, a final word, just uh, a question in from um, Bruce. Ah, not Bruce, read that one, that one in from Peter. Um, the next six months, uh, just quickly, what's uh, what's going to be the focus areas? So we're currently, the geological team are currently planning our exploration program in Hirabeb. Uh, it's 730 square kilometre EPL, so you can imagine there's a lot to plan around that, uh, and that'll be our focus. Hirabeb has got a huge blue sky potential. Um, you know, we've identified a large paleo channel. Uh, we know there's more paleo channels on, on the EPL, and, uh, you know, we've identified mineralisation. So, our focus will be on um, exploration on, on Hirabeb. Excellent. Thanks for that, plus, uh, sorry, Murray. Sorry, plus, yeah. plus a little bit of work on other projects, you know, Australian assets, we're adding value there, uh, and, and other ones in the MIGA as well. Very, very good. Thanks, Murray. That's all from me today. Um, thanks again to our presenters, and thank you for coming along and uh, listening to the presentations. Keep well and uh, chat soon.